Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, if you haven't checked out Logos Bible Software, you need to do so. It is a treasure chest of Bible tools. You could call it like a ninja cache that you can reach into and throw out all your ninja weapons at your congregation. I don't know if that sounds right. I don't know if that's the right thing to do, but Logos Bible Software will help you do it. Check them out, (laughs) logosbiblesoftware.com. I I just have an image in my head of their next uh, viral video. And it's like ninja stars, and it's hitting people in the congregation. Like, why don't they in the forehead? And it's like John one one. Here's what that really means, you know, and stuff like that. Come on, come on. How rad would that be? You got a ninja in the pulpit, and he's throwing things as congregation, and people are ducking. That would be rad. Logosbiblesoftware.com. I'm just saying, Become most people in ninja. the congregation duck already. <laughs> that is true. That is true. But don't pick on Dustin. Oh, why'd you have to go there? (laughs) Hey, I have to put words in your mouth, A, and B, I still have to work out my angst against Dustin. (laughs) Dude, what did Dustin say to me? Let me me read this text. He sent this to me uh, like two days ago. Uh, This is Pete's pastor. He said, uh, so I finally get back on the podcast and it's shutting down. So I know, right? I text him back. I go, it's unfaithful listeners like you that caused it to end. And then like, he didn't reply to that like at all. And I'm like, later, like hours, hours later, I'm like, uh, just kidding. Seriously, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't respond. He went and rethought his life and cried deeply in his coffee. 
It's your fault for not listening to my podcast. That's why I have to quit. Since we're talking about the podcast ending, Justin is his real name. It's Pete's pastor. He's awesome. He's a super cool dude. And I only make fun of him because, well, it's this podcast. And you really like him because he actually recognized your voice at like a pizza joint or something. and was like, hey, are you Peyton Jones? Hey, I'm easy. That's all it takes. No one has ever said that to me. No one's ever said, hey, are you Pete Mitchell? (laughs) But you've had, hey, are you Peyton Jones? I listen to your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I go, yes, I'm the smart one. Thank you. Appreciate that. So it's funny, man, because the podcast is not ending, by the way, for all the because I got a lot of those comments, too. We talked about it ending. We actually have other plans right now. We will see if they come to fruition. So if the podcast ends, you'll know it. But you know, Pete and I, six years in, is kind There'll of probably a, be a host change. That maybe is the the correct uh, uh, descriptor for what yes, will be happening. Yes, perhaps. Yes, we will. We will be possibly transitioning. It sounds so much nicer when you say transitioning than "Hey, we're quitting and dumping this on someone else." <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, so let me tell you what happened on my week. I had the Francis Chan experience. Have you ever had the Francis Chan experience? Is this like at uh, Bible Land or something like that? (laughs) I drove past Bible Land. I'm sure you did. I thought of you because Pete and I were like dying to go into, it's called, isn't it called Promised Land? No, I think it's like Bible Land. Is it? So All I remember is... You made me swear that we weren't going to post that picture on social media. Because <laughs> I like pulled over. I'm like, we are getting a picture in front of that that big sign. The Holy Land experience. Hold, that's, that's it. That's it. Called. Holy Land. Yeah. And, and you go in there. And I mean, you know, the Simpsons, if I'm not mistaken, might have been Family Guy, actually did a bit on this where they were kind of making fun of it, where, you know, they if you go in there, it's got the temple, it's got like, you know, the ark, it's got, you know, I think the mount where Moses gets the Ten Commandments. It's a little bit weird. I mean, I, I, you you go over the freeway to go to the Exponential Conference, and you're like right around the corner from it. And so you can see down into the park. It's kind of like being on the monorail at Disneyland. You see all the stuff. And as I'm going around the corner, I'm looking and I'm like, okay, that's weird, but Apparently, and I remember seeing a video for this years ago, and it's Jesus, you know, taking across through the theme park, kind of like how Mickey Mouse appears at Disneyland, but like he's all like he's out of the passion, but he's like going, hi, hello, how are you? God bless you. And I'm thinking that is so weird and wrong. Like I just, I'm sorry, I just can't get behind that in any way, shape or form whatsoever. And I'm pretty sure my maybe my mind did this, but I'm pretty sure there's a bit on The Simpsons where they show that and they just kind of show the absurdity of it. Um, but anyways, my kids, we went around the corner. We saw it. my kids like, Dad, can we? They didn't know it was Bible. And they're like, what's that? It's like got this big volcano. I'm sure that was, you know, uh, Mount when Sinai. the flood happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was like, hey, this is destruction land, judgment land. The, like, the holy land meets Pompeii. It, it, uh, that's kind of what it looks like. It, it is really neat looking, you know, and the temple's cool, but it's like, hey, kids, we're going to go see the bloody sacrifices now. Wee! You know, like, I mean, I just can't imagine, you know, like, are the Roman guards going to come out and jump out at people? Whoa! You know, like, give to Caesar, you know? I mean, what, what's the 
what's the catch of this theme park? You know, sure. The gift shop's awesome at the partway through you're going through the gift shop and Jesus runs out and turns over all the stalls and the tables and cracks a whip on everybody. That's, that's probably the coolest part of the gift shop. I think the, uh, the water fountains actually flow wine, uh, from, from what I'm told. (laughs) They do, but they're water at first and then they turn red. What? It's just, you know, I, I tell my kid that's just food coloring, but well, it's, it's more of like a, uh, a Baptist uh, uh, water fountain. So, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, they have the haunted house, and you go past the demoniac gnawing on bones in the tombs. Uh, sometimes there's one. Sometimes there's two <laughs> demoniacs, kind of like the gospel. Uh, I'm pretty know. sure they're never going to be a podcast sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's owned by, like, TBN. I, you know, it's a funny thing. I don't know I'll if TBN it. owns anything anymore. I, I think they self-destructed. Did they? You know, so. it's one of those things, man, where like whatever these shows are, these God Channel shows, I I always wonder, because I'll talk to guys sometimes. I'll be like, oh, I remember talking to this one guy, he's a big evangelist. And I said, oh, you know, I really, your ministry really popped from this year. Oh, I went on uh, the Christian television and sat down with, you know, whatever prosperity, you know, game show hosts are on there. And oh, it exploded after that. And I... You know, you, you look at like Kurt Cameron and all these guys, you know, like um, they're good guys, you know, but like I, I remember in my own denomination, um, we used to have guys that would go on TBN and I was really torn about that. Like, I don't think that's right. Like these are false teachers on there and that used to really bother. It still bothers me. Like to this day, I think, man, I just, I just wouldn't, I don't care how much money you're going to throw at me. I, I can't be bought man for for that i mean <laughs> you can buy me other well, ways but you know. <laughs> i think there's a couple of ways to look at it i think you could take on the uh, dr walter martin look at it which is yes i'm gonna go ahead and use your platform to reach people and i really don't care what you're preaching because i know what i'm preaching well and- so when he went on though fair point when he went on there he went on there to pick a fight so they had him come on and they they told him what he could and couldn't say they told him, don't, you know, here's a guy, he's counter-cult apologist, and they tell him, don't say anything against Mormons. You can't do that. He goes on there, and he just tells them on on TV, on live TV, oh, yeah, you know, they, they said something like, oh, you know, uh, uh, he, he said something about how Jesus, you know, would, would, you know, he would say things like you brood of vipers, you know, John the Baptist, this and that. And he said, that's what's needed today. People that'll, that'll call it for what it is. And they said, oh, you know, and so he says, brood of vipers, you, you slippery snakes. And, and, uh, it was Jan Crouch back then. And she looks at him and goes, can you smile when you said that? So he took the dopiest, goofiest smile he could and looked right at the camera and said, you brood of vipers. And he said it, you know, he's just being a punk, but it, it was pretty awesome. And they, and, and all of a sudden Paul's like, stop, 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 you know, cause it was, it was so ridiculous, you know? And, uh, but he did. Then, then he went on and said, look, in today's Christian world, you know, uh, you go on a show like this and they tell you, you can't say this and don't offend anybody. And he's like, look, Jesus said, I came to bring a sword. Like he went on there and picked the fight and they're like, okay, we're not having him on ever again. Right. But to me, that's kind of the stuff that we need to do. You know, if I mean, false teaching is false teaching. It's not new. And Paul was like, hey, oppose the crap out of that. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because one of my only experiences with TBN 
was actually my first, you know, kind of real stint into being an entrepreneur. And uh, I teamed up with a buddy of mine who was and still is a Mormon. And we put together a book called Modern Day Heroes. And it was a political book. And basically, we we just took all these speeches from senators and congressmen and stuff like that and put it together in a book. And um, one day, I'm like manning the 800 number. And like all these calls just keep flooding in. And I'm like, people are calling to buy the book. And I'm like, what in the world is, where did this happen? So I'm talking to one gal. I'm like, how did you hear about the book? And she goes, oh, I saw you guys on TBN. And I'm like, (laughs) what? So it turns out my partner. There are so many things I still do not know about you. I know, right? So it turns out my partner, he was on the planning commission for Costa Mesa, the city of Costa Mesa, which is where TBN was headquartered. So because he's on the planning commission, every time TBN wanted to do an expansion or remodel or anything, they got to get the planning commission's approval. So he went to them and was like, hey, look, I just put out this book. Would you guys be interested in interviewing me? They know he's a Mormon. They did not care. They're like, oh, we want to keep the planning commissioner guy happy. (laughs) So they put him on. And then, of course, he didn't want to tell me because he, my partner, wanted to have like all the, the limelight shine on him and. You know, I was just like, wow, TBN had no problem putting a Mormon on like, wow, okay, that's that's TBN for you. Wow, that's crazy, man. It's crazy. Well, you know, the the thing is for me is just it's about truth and the God. You know, I'd love it if those guys could be turned around. I really would. It could be a great force for good. But uh, I don't think it exists. anymore. What's that? I don't think it exists. I think. Oh, I think it came crashing down when. uh Homeboy died, the last one of them. You probably know a lot more than I do. I just know there's there's still now there's multiple versions of those channels. Well, and they're yeah, all absolutely. about money. They got absolutely. weirder shows on today than they used to. Now they're selling like vats of food on some of them, like Jim Baker's back in the game. He sells Dude, you've seen that? I oh actually as a as a a, a, a budding prepper, I look at that as a valuable resource. But He's I, like, here's a here's a barrel sized vat of nacho cheese in case of the the, the apocalypse that's coming, and you can uh, you can buy this now. You can this buy is- it in three and a half year or seven year denominations, just depending oh on what you believe for the rapture. Gosh, it's so crazy, man! <laughs> and it's it's just uh, to me, I just look at it and go. Yeah, you know, like I wouldn't make it my crusade to go against it, but I, I do struggle. Like I, when I see mainstream Orthodox people going on there, I'm like, okay, unless you're going on there to pick a fight, you really, because that's where you go if you want money. Like if you, like you just pointed out that that's why you go on there. And and I would I would talk to legit ministries. They're like, dude, we popped and we went on TBN, and I I struggle with that. It's just I don't struggle with it. Let's let's put it this way. Um, I don't struggle. Like that's an, it's a non-starter for me. It will never happen. We'll never go on TBN. Um, take this clip, watch next week. You're going to be on TBN. That's right. And you can, you can make a YouTube video. Look, here's Peyton Jones saying this on the podcast and look, there he is. He's on TBN. So, you know, here's, here's the deal. No, it's just not, it's not worth it. Like you got to sell your soul. I don't, I, I disagree. I think a guy like you should totally go on TBN. Because you would not be intimidated by them. 
and you would oh, yeah. share no, with I their mean, could, literally yeah, millions of, of viewers the gospel and they may have never heard it before. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, no, I really I think a guy saying, like, you like should go I would on. go on in the spirit of Mark, uh, Walter Martin and say, Hey, I'm just going to speak, speak the truth and, uh, yada, yada. But you know, I'm, I'm sure that stuff is not live anymore. I mean, those were the days where they would just keep a, a film, you know, camera rolling. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if it's not live yeah. anymore. I'm, it's all got to be pre-taped now. I'm guessing. I mean, it's so more, so much more polished, but, but Hey, I got to tell you this story about the Francis Chan experience. Oh yeah. By the way, that's, we totally got off track. Sorry. By the way, by the way, everybody, welcome to the church planner podcast where Pete and I, I talked total smack for the first half. The second half, trust us, it's church planning goodness. You're going to want to stick around for that, but this is our show. We get to do what we want and this is how we do. So anyways, I, I, I'm at exponential. I'm hosting the track, uh, which is called the micro Bivo track. I'm with Ralph Moore um, for most of it. Uh, he's kind of like the only known uh, level five multiplier. Francis Chan goes on stage and just brings a house down. I mean, you want to talk about somebody going up there, you know, kind of cutting through status quo and giving a, a real prophetic message. That dude goes up on stage for 20 minutes. He talks the majesty of God. I mean, he's not even there to like, talk the topic. You just knew like right away when he comes out there, dude's in the spirit, you know, he's been on his face before God. He goes, I didn't want to come out here. But then when I started kind of like seeking the Lord, then I couldn't wait to get out here. He just goes straight into Hebrews. He's supposed to be talking about Ephesians. Anyways, brings a house down. Just, I, I felt bad because Albert Tate was following him and I'm like, yeah, dude, that like what Francis did, it's kind of like, I think your session's done. I think, you know, we scrap that and everybody just prays for the next like 20, 30 minutes, which never happens ever anywhere, you know, at a conference. But it was kind of like, that's what needs to happen now. Everybody just needs to get on their faces. You know, we just heard the voice of God. God just turned up in a big way. Boom. You know, like change a plan. Right. So anyways, um, it, uh, we have the workshop immediately following and this workshop is kind of like, they, they take us, they put us in this room. And Pete, you, you know how big the, the, the room at Refuge is that drove you away, right? That, that had no AC. That, if you cut that room in half, that was the size of the room they gave us for Francis. So I kid you not, the entire building, and it's a big building, the entire third floor of that building and part of the second floor just getting up to it, like the elevators, you couldn't get in. So I'm going to my meeting. This building is like log jammed and I can't get in. And Ralph Moore calls me and goes, hey, hey, are you coming? I'm like, dude, I can't even get in the freaking building. And they're like, so he had to come get me. It was kind of like his hand was like a periscope. You know, he was waving and he's like, you know, I would he's think, coming down the hallway. I would think with as uh, compact as you are, you should just be able to like squeeze in between everyone's legs. It's so funny way. you say that because Eden, that's exactly what Eden does. Eden goes, oh, I get in there and she immediately starts going under people's legs. And there's like, no, 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 Eden, come back. <laughs> and uh, anyways, but what was a funny part was so Ralph comes, gets me and everybody's all like mad because I mean, dude, it was like the black hole of Calcutta. Like everybody was crammed in here. 
it's hot, sweaty. It's Florida. It doesn't matter that it's March. You know, it's it's hot and sweaty. Everybody's all mad and grumpy and grumpy. What's going on? Why is it like this? And everybody's mad. Doesn't matter. They're they're grumpy Christians, man. They're all they're packed in like sardines. It's my people, is what you're saying. Oh, dude, but like you couldn't handle this. You'd be like, you know, I mean, Jesus was in a crowd and he said, "Somebody touch me." But you'd be like, everybody's touching me right now. <laughs> this is not cool. So all of a sudden, like. You know, so I go to Ralph and we get in there and we're fighting, man. He's like, Hey, everybody move. This is Ralph Moore. I got Peyton Jones here. We got to start this thing. Everybody get out of my way. Like Ralph's rad. He just takes charge, right? He makes it happen. Boom. We get to the front. We get back into the room. I get there and we're like, well, where's Francis? Francis sitting in our, in our session. And all of a sudden, as if he were Jesus slipping through the crowd, in comes Francis. And what's happening? I'm watching it happen from the front of the room. You know, we come through, nobody cares, nobody gets out of our way. Francis, it was like you could watch a crowd open. Oh, it's Francis, it's Francis, it's Francis. <laughs> it was like Jesus, dude. It was like, you know, this kind of like the PGA tournament, you know, where the little crowd moves around the golfer and there's like this little eye of the hurricane in the middle. There's like this like safety buffer zone and the little crowd moves, boom, 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 you know, and he moves to the right, boom, 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 the whole crowd moves in this ring around him. It was like, he was like Moses cutting through the Red Sea, to quote Braveheart. And here he's coming through the crowd. It's amazing. He just slips through like effortlessly. Like, oh, you know, he's like floating through the crowd. And he comes to the front of the room. Hi, I'm Francis. And so we go, oh, cool, let, let's get going, boom, boom, boom. And dude, he drops probably one of the coolest talks I've ever heard. I'm going to try to get it so we can play it on this podcast. I'm talking with Exponential. I'm saying, hey, can we have that? I would love to play that. He basically gets on there and goes, hey, let me talk to you about my failures, right? Like, let me talk to you about, you know, everybody thinks everything I touch is gold. You know, I'm up in San Francisco. Let me tell you what happened the first couple of years. And he just, he just lays down a lot of heartache and a lot of just things not going right. And I mean, in a big way. And, uh, he goes, you know, you guys don't hear this and you need to hear this. And of course only about, you know, 150 people got to hear it, but like people were like lined up way down the hall. And eventually it was kind of like on life of Brian, what do you say? You know, like my wife, she didn't get in. So she eventually as the crowd dispersed, she got closer and closer to the door and she goes about halfway through, I could hear like blessed are the cheese makers, you know? Remember that from Monty Python? No, I was never really a Monty Python fan. Oh, dude, Life of Brian. Yeah. The the Sermon on the Mount. They're way back in the back of the crowd, and this fight breaks out because someone's like, hey, Big Nose, shut up. And they're like, who are you calling Big Nose? It's it's totally non-politically correct, but funny as heck. They they imagine, like, what it'd be like to be on the edge of the crowd. And one of them goes, what did he say? And this lady turns around and goes, I think he said, blessed are the cheesemakers. They're like, huh. And then one guy goes, they get all theological. Well, does he mean, like, cheese or does he mean all dairy products in general if you've never seen that scene you just need to youtube that scene and then the guy's like hey big nose keep it down i can't hear who are you calling big nose and then everybody turns around because they're all jewish and I, I i can't can i even quote that like i don't think you can say that last line no do you have to cut that out i'm not but I, I'm, I, I'm not being okay i apologize i'm not being anti-semitic i'm just quoting to you the film right get mad at monty python but anyways so what happens is, you know, he's up there, he's talking, but anyways, uh, eventually it's thinning out. But, but the point is at the end, um, we had to let him through 
the side door, like he, he still couldn't even, I guess he could have gotten out, but we let him out the side door. So he crashed through the, um, Spanish speaking seminar. So, uh, uh, if you, um, if you were in that session, lo siento, which I think means I'm sorry, cause my wife speaks Spanish. Oh yeah, I don't. That, yeah, nor me. I think lo siento means I'm sorry. If not, it I means think, like, I think we all remember the only Spanish I know. Uh, modelo, mi, mi dragón es muy rápido. rápido. <laughs> Why do we never make shirts, <laughs> dude? I was thinking about some of the funniest lines from our podcast that we didn't bring up on episode three hundred. What? I, what's up with that? That was not backward masking, though. If you play that backwards, it will say Pete is a devil. I, but. I, I totally, I forgot about mi dragón. I forgot about. <laughs> The Principality of Sealand. I mean, I forgot oh, about I like. I never forget that. Dude, I think about the Principality of Sealand all the stinking But time. we didn't bring it up on the podcast on the, the episode 300. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. We had some people used to make. Remember that cartoon that Brandon Brooks made? He made oh, a totally. comic book of us. I think we put it in the magazine, actually. Yeah, we did, yeah. <laughs> we had some good stuff. We had the. Remember the time you and I went to the, the radio station in the very beginning? Oh, dude. Yeah. When we were uh, promoting, I think it was your book. Or, or no, it was the Kickstarter yeah, campaign. Yeah. And it was like 12 to 2 in the morning, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. In LA, in Glendale. Yeah. We had downtown. to drive up there to do that radio show. And uh, that's the yeah. radio slot we got 12 to 2 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Which you, remember, you're getting remember people. Remember when Walter Martin's daughter was like, hey, I'm going to put you on radio. And we're like, uh, you know, we don't say anything wrong. Like, but we, we might get your radio station in trouble. And she's like, okay, I won't put you on. <laughs> no, actually what it was is you and I just didn't bother to follow up. She probably would have put us on. Oh, no, I told her. I told her. I warned her. I said, hey. We are interested, but you need to listen to our show first and determine because we're we're a little. Out we would have had to have redone it because it probably would have been a half hour slot, which they would have. I don't. I mean, because it was a nonprofit radio station, so I don't know if they put in PSAs because they can't really sell advertising. But it would have totally changed our whole podcast unless we wanted to do two: one for the radio yeah. and one for us. And yeah, no, I I, I pretty much I pretty much broke up with him in a nice way. You know, let's be friends. It's not you. It's me. I just said, you know, and, and her response was, Oh, well, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> it was kind of like, okay, I, I guess that was, I just knew like, I really respected her. Um, as Joe Martin Reich, uh, Richie Reich, Reich, Joe Martin Reich, R I S C H E. So, um, yeah. And she runs, uh, pretty much all of his content, Walter Martin's content. She's like the steward of that. And she got WalterMartin.com, which you should definitely check out. Um, but anyways, yeah, we didn't do that. We didn't yeah. get on their video. So, I, so I think we, I think they would show up outside of any radio station tower with torches and pitchforks and demand that the monster be slain. It's entirely possible. I'm sure there would be people trying to cast the demons out. No doubt. For sure. For sure. But yeah, hey, um, so with Francis though, man, I tell you, I expect at one point, I remember like no joke, I looked up at the ceiling tiles because the crowd, it just so reminded me of like when Jesus would go places and the crowds were like busting to get into wherever he was and they're lined up outside the door and all around the building. That's what it was um, because that conference was huge. It was the biggest year they've ever had. Really? And yeah, it was huge and uh, packed out, like never seen it that packed. 
And, um, and, and here's Francis in this room that's the micro bivo track, right? Like that actually every, apparently we had the busiest sessions every time. Like people were out in the hallway every single session. Um, I think, I think they may rethink where they put that track. You know, I, I met, what, with, what did you guys focus on in micro bivo? We, well, you know, I only hosted, I didn't do any, I was right, right. but I mean, what, what, what did you guys focus on? Well, we just had like people come in and talk about micro church, um, had people come in and talk. Uh, we had Brad Briscoe come and talk about bivocational ministry. And then we had a businessman who was like a pastor who had started up uh, a business. He went back into business. Um, he was a pastor. He went back into business and then that's where things really took off. So, and that was pretty cool. You know, I would love to get all those um, recordings and, and make them available. So they were good. Then uh, the last one was a woman who had this. She was a missionary in India, and um, and she just she started empowering the locals. And I can't remember how many churches had been planted since, but she was like this old white girl with her guitar in a in an Indian village, and she shows this picture, and she goes, "We all know that wasn't going to go too far," and she goes, "But." You know, I, I realized, you know, I'm here to equip and that's what she did. It was, it was pretty phenomenal. My tracks, I, I felt like I was in the company of heroes the whole time. Interesting. And, um, yeah, it was really cool. So yeah, we only really focused on Bivo one session. Like I said, Brad Briscoe, uh, did his book, um, rethink and also, uh, co-vocational, I think it was called co-vocation, co-voca- co-vocational church planning. I don't know. So I, I actually wrote a forward or no, it was a forward or no, I wrote an endorsement for it and I read it, but I don't remember it cause I worked with him. So, but he came and spoke and I made fun of him a bit cause he's a friend. Uh, that's what I do to friends. And, um, but other than that, man, I, I thought people were going to like pull this. I kept looking up the ceiling tiles, expecting people to like, you know, the, that those foam ceiling tiles would come off and someone lower people down to Francis, but that did not happen. It's probably a good thing. Yeah. And, you know, you, you would ask the question, is it lawful to heal someone at the exponential conference? There would have for sure been a, a debate about that at some point. And moving right along, are we ready to get into today's topic? Yeah. Doc, uh, kick us off. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Indeedy. So... Our topic today is creating margin for the things that matter in ministry. Um, This is a theme that keeps coming back to me. Um, I have been radically freed up for the last six weeks. Um, I went from working full-time for North American Mission Board to contracting and now negotiating various contracts. And here's the deal. I didn't realize how much my time needed to be freed up. So in the last couple of years, I've lovingly called it my prison phase because I've had a job to do and I've had to work really hard on that. Now, um, I'm freed up for about half my time is back to just being my own. And so I've been strategizing, you know, and, and really when I got away in Wales, it was kind of to, to ask the Lord, you know, what, what is it you want me to do? And of course I'm getting ready to church plant. So yesterday, I went and met with all of the pastors in North County, San Diego. I uh, had a prayer meeting in the morning for my church plant coming up with, uh, you know, another couple that's going to be planning with us. 
We're, we're the very beginning of a core team and, um, it's all kind of starting to pop and move along, but I didn't have time for this before. And it, it's made me kind of sit back, especially after I read an email from Ralph Moore, ralphmoore.net. He's got, uh, an email. If you want to ever check that out, you can sign up to the list. And it was, if you're too busy, you can't disciple. Now, Ralph Moore has discipled, <laughs> Over the last 50 years, three people at a time consistently for 50 years. And I, I can't remember how long he uh, disciples them. I think he goes for about six months to a year, something like that. But out of his ministry, because he's nonstop disciple for 50 years, um, the, he's out of his church plants and his ministry and discipleship, 2,400 churches have come. It would be like if I disciple people that keep discipling people into church planners and, and leaders, that's what's happened. Not all of them become leaders, but he disciples in, in plants and those plants, plant plants at plant plants and 2,400 and something churches come out of that. Hmm. So they call him a level five multiplier. And he says, it's not sexy. It's not fancy. I just always make sure I'm discipling. And if I look back on my ministry, that is where the lasting fruit is. It's, it's like that woman in India. It's not that it's not what I'm doing. It's who I'm pouring into that has led to lasting fruit. Because if I, and, and you look at Jesus, right? Jesus pours into 12 guys. He's got three years of active ministry. And the majority of his time is spent pouring into 12 other people. So the topic today is creating that margin for discipleship, um, creating margin for what truly matters. And after all, Matthew 28, we're called to make disciples. We're called to reproduce. If I go back to a church I planted, let's say like Refuge Long Beach, and they say, hey, you know, our guys are facing burnout. Um, I can trace back in that conversation where, you know, maybe I had a chat with leaders and said, hey, guys, make sure you're mentoring others. Everybody who's doing something here, Mentor others to do what you're doing and back out, right? Make sure you, that you're constantly multiplying and reproducing yourself and you're sharing responsibility. That's, that's, again, discipleship is a solution to burnout. I mean, we will always come back to discipleship, even evangelism. If I'm doing evangelism, but I'm one dude, I take people with me because at the end of the day, I'm going to move on and I'm going to need to have other people that are going to take my place. So, um, how do you create margin? That's, that's so first I'll, I'll, that's just kind of setting it up and then we'll come back into the question of how. So any thoughts on that, Pete? Uh, no, sir. Oh, come on. You're not just paid to sit there and look pretty, you know? No, sir. I have no thoughts. <laughs> well, I have enough for both of us, Pete. <laughs> that you do. I do. So here's the deal. Um, the, the idea of how to create margin. Um, I like Bob Newhart's sketch where he just, he says, just stop it. Um, oh yeah. That, that's pretty much it. Just yeah. create margin. Oh dude, that's Don't such see. a great clip. Where he's like, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I, I heard you're a counselor. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, maybe I should tell you about my billing. Uh, okay. How, how do you bill? Well, it's $5 for the first five minutes, uh, and if we take less time, there's no refunds. 
Right. What if we need more time? <laughs> you know, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> and then they start telling the story and he's like, okay, uh, here's my advice. Stop it. Yeah. yeah what do you absolutely. mean? You know, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I've sat here in an office and I've told someone to stop it. And they've asked me that same question, you know, stop it. <laughs> it's such a great, great. You skit. have to watch it. The The girl's face in that is clap. Like it's both of them. Oh it's both of them in that. It's such a well done skit. And was it, it was Saturday night live. Wasn't it? I think it was. Cause it was like a little five minute <laughs> skit. He's just like, stop it. By the way, just to enrich your life, church planner, because I know you need to laugh a lot. Um, you uh, you need to go on to Saturday Night Live and find the skit that was from this past week about the uh, ladies that were trying to do um, uh, keynote and PowerPoint presentations. They, they, they It's these two guys or trainers that come into a company and they take the two old lady receptionists. Uh, everybody has to do like little group presentations. And you, you have to, I don't even know what the name of it is, but it was from last week. It was, if you Google Saturday Night Live PowerPoint, you know, or whatever. Oh my gosh, dude. It is the funniest stinking thing. Um, it's to- totally appropriate. Nothing wrong on it. So you're good. But you need to laugh. You need to watch that. But, um, but anyways, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I could say like, oh, you know, just, just create it. But there are strategies. So if, if I'm looking at creating margin in my life, um, there's a couple things. Number one, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you want to create margin, you need to first set boundaries. So I, I believe in a schedule. I years ago was in ministry. I was a workaholic. I got a lot done. I mean, particularly preaching and running the youth group and when I was single, wasn't married. I get there. No joke at like six thirty seven in the morning and I would leave at 11 at night. Um, which is kind of like how pastors operate in Korea. You know, I would get these pastors come to me from Korea when I was in Wales and they would come to do their doctorate and they would show up like 90 pounds and they get like four hours sleep a night. And then, um, when they left, they were all fat and happy, you know, they're all like strung out and skinny when they got to us. But you know, the, the reality is you're going to burn yourself out and you can't really create margin if you don't have a boundary, um, that you create to begin with. So I, I think if you don't have a set schedule, so for me, I work eight hours a day and I stop, right? Um, that, that's the only, I think you have to have a, a begin and finish point and it can change. It could be 11 to six. It could be, you know, maybe yours is nine to three, you know, you, you go to work and you pick that. Maybe it's a shorter day, but you gotta have, you have to have a parameter. First off, you have to set limits and boundaries. Second, and no, I'm not getting this from a website. <laughs> this is all out of my own experience. And my experience may be poor. It is not the best strategy. It's not the only strategy, but it's my strategy. It's mine and I own it. But um, the, the reality is uh, when, when you come to uh, the idea of margin, um, you can forward planning is the next thing. If I want to get projects done, I have to block out my time. So what I would say is you can't just have a list. I remember running my schedule a few years back and I would have a list. Um, it, it would be like in my calendar and I'd have all these things in my calendar and I would just play Tetris 
with these kind of bullet points in iCal. And then I would move them over. I'd delete the ones. And that felt really good. I'd get an endorphin release for hitting the delete key. But then I would start shifting. Oh, I couldn't get to these 10 today. And my list would just get, man, I would next end of the week, I'm moving 20 things over to Monday. And there was no strategy. It was just adding things into a list that kept moving forward and there was no approach. So what I started doing a few years ago is I got in touch with Michael Hyatt's um, calendar uh, system. It's free to focus. Back then it was before he had the book, it was best year ever. And a buddy of mine went through it. He recommended it. I picked his brain a bit. I went through it and it changed my thinking. It just made me more strategic. You set goals, you set parameters, you do all these things. So um, some of these things I learned from him, other things I just kind of forged on my own. Um, but the reality is you forward plan and block. So if you wanted to say disciple um, or, uh, you know, you wanted, you had other things where you're like, I need to mix in the, maybe it's missional engagement. Maybe it's pouring into your team or, you know, uh, having a, a special meeting where, you know, you're communicating with your wife. The things that really matter that you're not doing, you have to forward plan and you have to set blocks of time aside and nothing can touch that, right? So like my day off used to be Tuesdays. Now that I have kids, it's, it's a different day. I used to prep on Saturday and have my day off Tuesday but when I had kids that started going to school, it was like, okay, I got to change that. But I used to tell my church, don't die on a Tuesday, right? Because I'm not going to be there. Don't have crises on Tuesday. You can have Mondays and Wednesdays. Don't have them on Tuesday because I'm not getting the phone. You're not going to get me. You're going to get Charlie or you're going to get, you know, whoever my uh, co-leader was in, in those days. Um, because that's set in stone. And people started learning. Don't call me on Tuesday, right? E- even now, my best friends know don't call me at night because I'm not going to get the phone. Because I'm either doing homework with my kid, uh, I'm eating dinner with my family, or I'm putting my kids down and reading them a story. Like, those are the things I do at night. And so, uh, you know, basically when you're talking about the, um, the margin issue, you've got to block that time out. So forward plan and make everything revolve around those times. And then secondly... Um, once you've forward planned, um, and you've, you've created that margin, take the things that you don't need to be doing and delegate them. So when, when, when we talk about delegation, Pete, you know, this, most people don't delegate. And the reason why is because delegation takes work and people don't want to stop and pause and change tack and spend the time delegating. Because once you delegate something, you're not done. It's not like you just throw something off on somebody. If you've never delegated things, then you probably think you just, oh, it's a matter of finding someone, talking to them, getting them to agree to something, pushing it off on them, and you're done. No, you have to manage people. Once you delegate, you have to manage. And so that that right there, a lot of people are like, I tried delegating, it didn't work. Well, because you didn't manage. So you you still have to, and whenever you hand off to anyone, if you get an assistant, if you find volunteers, you have to create a regular rhythm to touch in with those people. If you do that, then delegation will work. And we are running out of time. So I have to quickly um, <laughs> now um, come to the end. Excuses. What are the excuses for creating more? I'm too busy. Well, let me leave you with this little tidbit. Um, 
I always tell guys when, when I was working for Nam and I talked to guys and I'd say, like, we'd find church planners that were busy and successful and we'd say, hey, um, come, this will take 10, uh, it was actually 5% of your schedule. We'd work it out for them. Four hours a week, 5% of your schedule, or I guess it was 10% if they work a 40-hour week. So it's four hours of your time every week, four hours of prep one week, four hours of, of meeting with other leaders you're developing the next week. And they'd be like, well, I don't really have time. We're like, whoa, 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 wait up. Jesus told you to make disciples, right? Yeah. And we're, you're telling me you don't have 10% of your schedule to devote. So like, what in the heck else are you doing? Like if, if the other 90% of your time, if it's not, we're giving you a system to actually develop and disciple other church planners, you're telling me that you can't devote 10%, then brother, I think you need to relook at your entire ministry and what you've been doing from the ground up. Because if that's the case, you're failing in the Great Commission mm. pretty radically. And uh, so I'm going to leave you with that tidbit, Pete, because, you know, we're out of time. <laughs> Is that the wrong theme music for the end of the podcast? It could be the right music. I got a bad and, uh, feeling about this. <laughs> and and since we're recording on uh, National Pie Day, I'm just saying check out your 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 local pizza place for the deals you know that go on today. And of course. Of course, they'll all listen to this after National Pie Day. (laughs) They will. And and that's kind of why I said it because, you know. I said that this morning at breakfast. I said, it's Pie Day. (laughs) And Luke goes, we get pie? (laughs) (laughs) That's what it should be. But hey, guys, um, while you're busy creating all this margin, forward planning, and doing all those things, you need to be delegating all of your financial stuff, all of your bookkeeping, all of your IRS compliance. And Pete, how would they do that? You know, uh, Mr. Jones, the reality is, is they need some outside people who specialize in that. And uh, we happen to know a guy. Name is Josh Henry. Over there at SimplifyChurch.com. SimplifyChurch.com. Did you say SimplifyChurch.com? I said SimplifyChurch.com, and you can go hook it up with Josh Henry. (laughs) That's what I thought you said. Well, guys, thanks for joining us today for the Church Planner Podcast, where we tell you, (laughs) I don't know why I'm doing this, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going, you need to do what nobody's doing. Like Francis Chan. I made my money the old-fashioned way. I got run over by a Lexus. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.